Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Happy Easter! This was supposed to be our Easter edition of the podcast, but unfortunately my plans just simply fell apart. In fact, we were going to air a message I actually preached last week about the substitutionary atonement of Christ, the Great Exchange, I called it. However, it wasn't recorded, or at least I thought I was recording it, and my son Tony thought he was recording it, but uh, there was a little malfunction at the end, and so unfortunately, that chapel message, our Rock County Christian School chapel message, is not going to be aired this week, or ever, because it is lost forever, except in the minds and hearts of those who were there. But anyway, so I had to come up with something quick for this week, so I am going retro. I'm going back to the old archives of an interesting interview I conducted with Phil Johnson of Grace to You Ministries out there in California, works over there with John MacArthur. And uh, Phil, so this interview with, uh, with Phil Johnson is entitled Fundamentalism, Evangelicalism, and the Emerging Middle. So this was probably about, oh man, I want to say, it's been over 10 years, I know that. Uh, but Phil was, was, that was just nice enough to sit down with me and record a few thoughts. And uh, he had just preached a message on this, I believe, at a Shepherds Conference. And I, I'm someone who grew up in fundamentalism, and, and I still have a lot of uh, contacts. In fact, you've heard many uh, fun, self-identified fundamentalists on this podcast, and so I don't want to break all ties. But uh, there is, there was, and even still is today, an emerging middle between fundamentalism and evangelicalism, or conservative evangelicalism, as I would call it. But anyway, so we're going to air that interview this week, and then uh, we'll be back on schedule. The Apostles' Creed series is just about to get started. I am really excited about that series, and I've got a couple interviews this week. This is our spring break at school, and I'm going to record some of those, wrap that up, and finally present it to you. But anyway, right now, let's listen to Phil Johnson from Grace to You. And today's broadcast, we're going to be talking about a familiar topic, Fundamentalism. In fact, we're talking more specifically about evangelicalism, fundamentalism, and the emerging middle. Now, I know many of you uh, are like me. You have a similar background growing up in fundamental Baptist churches. And growing up, that there are only three types of Christians out there. First, you have the liberals. The liberals are, they, they are the enemy. They are the evil ones. Uh, they are the ones who deny scripture. They deny inerrancy. They deny any sort of miraculous occurrences in Scripture, and they are all about the social gospel. So, of course, we don't want to be like them. In fact, most people are to the left of us could be categorized as liberal or modernist. But then you have a second group known as the evangelicals, or new evangelicals, neo-evangelicals, or just the short-term compromisers. These are the folks that they are true Christians, they believe in the fundamentals of the faith, they believe uh, in the inerrancy of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, um, they believe in salvation by grace alone, but they wish to, and the key word would be dialogue with these liberals. They don't want to separate from these, these, these guys, 
but they want to carry on a dialogue and they want to engage in social uh, social outreach, social justice, if you want to use the, uh, the, the Glenn Beck term nowadays. Those are the evangelicals. They're the compromisers. They're the true and sound doctrine of Scripture and watering it down so that they can have some fellowship and some interaction with these liberals. But the third group, the third group are, these are the ones that have been towing the line. These are the true Bible believers, the fundamentalists. And the fundamentalists, we don't compromise doctrine just to get along. We don't uh, give in. We, we stand by the stuff. And if you want to be a true Bible-believing Christian, then you have I'm guessing that our guest today uh, would take issue with those three things, as, of course, I would as well. Uh, I want to uh, thank Phil Johnson uh, for coming on the program. Phil, welcome to our, our show. Yes, greetings. This is Phil. Hi. Uh, welcome to our broadcast. Yes, and, sorry, uh, your sound dropped out there just to uh, got me on. I don't, know what, I don't know what happened. Oh, okay. I apologize for that. Um, but we have you now, and uh, so tell us a little bit, I, I, for our listeners, our listeners are probably familiar with, with some of the things you've done. If you ever uh, listen to the Grace to You broadcast or uh, the Pyromaniacs blog, Grace Community Church, uh, the Shepherds Conference, uh, so just tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I'm the executive director of Grace to You, John MacArthur's radio uh, program, Bible Teaching. And uh, my, my background is publishing, and uh, I came to Grace to You actually uh, from Moody Press, where I had edited a couple of John MacArthur's books. And uh, so over the years, I've, I've continued to have my fingers in editing uh, books that John MacArthur has published. So I've edited for about 30 years now most of his major books, and um, at the same time working at Grace to You, and I'm also a lay pastor at Grace Community Church. And the reason why I wanted you on the broadcast is that we're talking about evangelicalism, fundamentalism, and it seems as though time after time, as I talk to more people, uh, I know it's been the case in my life, the bridge between hardline fundamentalism and I, I guess I could say conservative evangelicalism is John MacArthur. Um, I can remember reading him for the first time in college, and this was the guy who I was told had denied the blood of Christ. Um, but once you start reading, oh, you know, that's actually very far from the case. Um, but he seems to almost be a connection. So uh, could you tell us that maybe, uh, let's actually first define our terms. Um, evangelicalism and fundamentalism, what, what's the difference? Well, they both come from common roots. Uh, uh, the evangelical and fundamentalist movement began as one movement, and uh, it w was really uh, modernism mm. back in the middle of the 19th century. And if you read the life of Spurgeon, you know, the, the last few years of his life, he was embroiled in controversy, uh, known as the downgrade controversy, right. because he was resisting the influx of modernistic ideas in the denomination that he was part of, the Baptist Union in London. And... Uh, uh, he, he, I think, more or less was surprised to see how pervasive these modernistic ideas were. People thinking that, you know, science is, uh, is somehow more authoritative than Scripture, and so they began to question some of the fundamental uh, doctrines of Scripture and ultimately the inspiration of Scripture itself. And, uh, and Spurgeon and others like him uh, remained committed to, 
the scripture, and uh, uh, that that was sort of the the germ from which the fundamentalist and evangelical movement grew. By the 1920s, it was it was a severe problem that modernism was sort of creeping into every denomination and undermining the foundations of faith. And so R. A. Torrey and a, and a group of other men decided that they were going to uh, uh, articulate the case for the fundamentals of Christianity. And so they published a series of tracts called The Fundamentals. And that's where the name fundamentalist came from. So uh, the fundamentalist movement, another decade or so, uh, the fundamentalist movement was was fairly cohesive. Anyone who, who still believed in the authority and, and sufficiency and and uh, inerrancy and inspiration of Scripture would have counted himself a fundamentalist. Uh, and there were there were really sort of two flavors of fundamentalism. One's military militant, and the other was less militant but still committed to the truth. And right. the the militant arm of the movement morphed into what became the fundamentalist movement, and the less militant group sort of began to separate themselves a bit from fundamentalists, or vice versa, or I should say and vice versa, the two groups began to part company more and more, so that by the 40s or 50s, there were there was quite a bit of conflict between fundamentalists and evangelicals, chiefly over the question of how militant should we be in the defense of the faith? Is, are there any bridges we can build with people who are perhaps less conservative than we are uh, and to what degree should we fight for the faith? And uh, the fundamentalists, of course, were defending the, the the necessity for being militant, which is a biblical idea. We're supposed right. to contend earnestly for the faith. But I think some fundamentalists became so enthralled with contending for the faith and fighting that they began to look for things to fight mm. about and even fight one another. And the, the reaction to that among evangelicals was to become less and less militant. And so you mentioned new evangelicalism. That, was, that, that came along in the middle of the 20th century, where the new evangelicals pretty much denounced uh, militancy of any kind and, and announced that they were going to try to seek academic respectability and, and uh, common ground with people who were less evangelical, less conservative than they were. They felt that was the way to win the world by wooing uh, the, you know, people who were less conservative. And the fundamentalists felt that the, the way to take our stand was to, to fight against those who deny Scripture. And so you had really two totally different worldviews among people who, uh, at the heart of it, really began as being committed to the same basic set of fundamental truths. And they went different directions. The evangelicals became more and more uh, lax about defending the faith, right. and the fundamentalists became more and more militant, uh, and, and their militancy extended to things that didn't have anything to do with the fundamentals of Christianity. Right. They began to fight over secondary, tertiary issues, and uh, the, the fundamentalist movement, by the time I became a Christian in the 70s, was a sort of fragmented mess of smaller movements built around big personalities. And, and uh, so that that was, by the 1970s, those two movements were pretty much at odds with each right. other. And both of them rejected the other's 
uh, uh, ideas, which which would have brought balance. They, they, they were, I think the two movements really represented balancing truths that need to be kept together. And by separating from one another, what they did was uh, reinforce one another's worst tendencies so that new evangelicalism became so prone to compromise that uh, what you've got today is the remnant of the evangelical movement. We still call it evangelical, but the truth is among mainstream evangelicals, the, the group that would be represented and, and whose voice would be, would be uh, Christianity Today magazine, they're not really truly evangelical at all. Right. They're, they're no different from the modernists their grandfathers and great-grandfathers wanted to separate from. And the fundamentalist movement, because of all the infighting and all of that, fragmented to the point where it became barely an influence at all. Uh, it was so inbred and so, so it collapsed on itself, so that the only influence the typical fundamentalist has is among the people who are already in his group. Right. And so now you have a, a, a new evangelical that has really collapsed into itself, where you have folks to the extreme, such as uh, something that's very foreign from Scripture. And then you have the fundamentalists over here who, at their extreme, are contending for uh, such and non-important issues where both sides have left their their core values. You, you've got just shattered fragments and pieces all over the place to where good people in both of these movements have now uh, begun to realize this isn't it. This isn't uh, biblical Christianity. This isn't what the Lord would have uh, his church to be doing. So they're, they're leaving, and now we have what uh, my, I know my pastor has, has mentioned, this emerging middle to where some conservative, Bible-believing Christians who now, um, in a sense, are somewhat homeless. Um, they, they don't have a movement to call their own unless you want to refer, I know some have referred to this young, restless, and reformed group, um, but where do these folks find themselves now? What, what's the chart, uh, what path do they have to chart for themselves now? Huh. You know, it, it, that's, a, that's a great question and a real mystery, frankly. As you look at the landscape uh, among evangelicals and fundamentalists today, you've got people all over the map, and right. it's such a complex landscape, I think it's really, and, and number of, numbers of people for the past decade and a half have tried to design a taxonomy that describes who is who and where they all fit. Right. I think that's really an impossible undertaking. And uh, it's true on both sides. I think fundamentalism is fragmented and, and uh, as I said, sort of collapsed on itself so that even among fundamentalists, there are, there are little camps and groups right. and personalities who disagree and don't don't really don't really want to see themselves in partnership with one another even among the fundamentalists and uh, the same thing I think is true on the evangelical side where you do have a remnant of conservative evangelicals who still would would uh, hold to the inerrancy of scripture and believe that it's important to defend that but they're still uneasy with the question of how far do we go in contending for the faith, how much is too much, and the minute you begin to become a little bit contentious over some issue that uh, that needs, uh, in some cases, needs a, 
a really spirited defense. Right. Uh, there are a lot of evangelicals who become e uneasy with that, and so even among the most conservative evangelicals, I think there's a huge question of where do we fit, how do we fit with one another, can we, can we form a, any kind of alliance between these small fragmented groups? All of us still believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, but we don't necessarily agree on where the lines are drawn with regard to what's acceptable in, in terms of personal separation, uh, and also they don't agree on how far we may need to go in, uh, in being contentious or contending for the faith. Right. So it's a mess. It, it really is a mess. I don't see any easy answer on the horizon. I don't think, I think there are a lot of people who are very hopeful that conservative evangelicals and the best of the fundamentalists will sort of be able to find a way to get together and a phoenix will arise out of the ashes of both movements that represents, you know, the, the sort of same thing they had with the original fundamentalists. Right. But I don't, I, I don't see that shaping up, actually. Well, is there a need for that? Let me ask you, is there a need for fundamentalists who all of a sudden are, uh, it's dawning on them that that some of the stuff is just way out. They don't want to be associated with the Jack Hiles or the, the Sword of the Lord crowd. Um, and then you have the evangelicals who don't want to be associated with uh, the Rick Warrens and, and, and folks like that on that side. Uh, is there a need to say, you know what, I need to separate from fundamentalism. I need to separate from evangelical. I need to stop using, referring to myself as an evangelical or a fundamentalism. Is that, is that a necessity? Um, you know, it's something, let's just say it this way, it's something I'd like to see, but I, I, I wouldn't even know what the name of such a group ought to be. You know, right. I think whoever finds a way to define that group and, uh, and name it and, and build an identity of it could probably lead a movement. But, uh, again, it's just going to be one more of many movements, right. and I would say what really needs to happen, what I always encourage both fundamentalists and evangelicals to do, is to go back even further hmm. and address the basic question that I think the original fundamentalists dropped the ball on, and that is, what are the fundamentals of the faith? Right. What, what are the things that are worth fighting over? Uh, and that we really need to put up a spirited defense for, and what are the secondary issues, and how do you tell the difference? That's a very difficult question, mm. and it's one I think a lot of the original fundamentalists, to a large degree, uh, took for granted. You can read those tracts, the fundamentals, and uh, they're all very good, by the way, and I would right. agree with pretty much the position all the early fundamentalists took on questions like the authority of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, the, the literal reality of miracles and the resurrection, and, and they defended a lot of things that needed to be defended. But I would say the number one the central fundamental doctrine of Christianity is the gospel, and especially the principle of justification by faith. That was the principle that launched the Protestant Reformation. Right. It's, it's what Luther called the, the article by which the church stands or falls. And if you look at the, the original set of... Uh, tracts on the fundamentals, there's really only one little article, and I think it was written by Handley Moole or somebody like that, on justification by faith. It wasn't an issue that they, that they really gave, I think, the degree of weight that that doctrine deserves. Hmm. And so both movements, the fundamentalists and the evangelicals, failed, I think, at the 
very outset to root themselves sufficiently in the gospel and in gospel truth. And that's why the fundamentalists began to fight about picky things that had nothing to do with the gospel, and the evangelicals quickly moved away from defending the gospel or, or really even caring to present it accurately, so that even though the name evangelical is a reference to the gospel, it means someone who's, whose very identity is spelled out by gospel truth, evangelicals today, by and large, don't really have a clue what the gospel is. Right. And it seems like the, the, these folks in this, this middle ground territory are staking that claim on the gospel. You have the you know the folks that's together for the gospel and and the gospel coalition, other groups such as that, where it seems to be encouraging. Where yes, we are focusing on a salvation by grace through faith, a salvation, a justification by faith that you're right is absent from both fundamental and evangelical. Uh, writers and uh... yeah, yeah, and let me be clear. That's sure. those are hopeful signs. I I've right. been supportive of together for the gospel and movements like that, and lots of people are talking about the gospel. But uh, I, I still think, for the most part, a, a lot of people uh, are are making the very same mistake the original fundamentalists made, at, which is, of course, we agree on the gospel. We all know what it is, and and all of that. I'd like to see a more spirited defense and, and a more a more thorough focus on gospel truth mm. and the doctrine of justification by faith. Let's mm. let's make sure people understand precisely what we mean when we say we're together for the gospel. What do we mean by the gospel? And what is the gospel? What is the heart of the gospel? Because even in the midst of lots of people on the periphery of together for the gospel, there are these uh, multifaceted attacks going on today uh, against the doctrine of justification by faith, uh, the new perspective on Paul, and movements like that, uh, and in fact, it was one of the one of the common threads of uh, emergent style Christianity. I think a, a, a questioning of some of the, you know, the basic truths of justification by faith. You've got people in hordes uh, leaving evangelicalism to go back to Roman Catholicism or Eastern Orthodoxy, right. and all of that reflects the fact that evangelicals, even the best of evangelicals, I don't think are solidly grounded in the gospel the way they ought to be. They take it for granted. So how do we get back to uh, The idea of a new movement, to me, it, it, to what degree should we not be seeking... I guess it, it, the conflict I'm having in my mind is, yes, I, I, I love the idea of like-minded uh, Christians coming together, focusing on these key doctrines of the faith, defending justification, defending um, inerrancy, defending uh, what we need to defend, but at the same time, um, we don't need another leader, we don't need another uh, coalition, but on the other hand, iron sharpening iron and fellow Christians helping each other. So to what degree are we to... In, in the unity of the body of Christ, depend upon each other, but at the same time, uh, not just be another movement in the litany of movements throughout the history of Christendom. Yeah, I, I think a lot of movements are born prematurely. You know, people come together, and they talk about what brings them together, but they don't really have a firm grasp on it. That is uh, that is my concern about hmm. about the Young Wrestles Reformed movement, which really isn't, let's talk about that, because it's not, there is no 
they don't hold meetings, there's no leader or whatever, and yet it's clear, I think, to any observer that over the past five or ten years, there has been a movement of young people uh, who, who are, in a true historical sense, evangelical. Some of them come from the evangelical movement. Their parents and grandparents were evangelicals, and, and they've gravitated towards um, older theology, you know, Calvinism, and the gospel, and doctrinally, I think there's a great deal of soundness and a lot to be encouraged by in that movement. But uh, but it's also young and restless, you know, right. and uh, which is not necessarily those aren't those aren't necessarily traits to celebrate or uh, or to follow. And I've often said I, I I think the young restless reform people would would do a lot better if they tried not so hard to be restless. And didn't see young as a badge of honor, but as as something to be matured out of, right. you know. And my greatest fear has been, it seems uh, a lot of these folks, um, and I want to include myself in that crowd because I've seen this tendency in myself. My wife has very carefully, uh, carefully pointed that out. That a lot of this just seems a little bit, at this time, trendy. It, it's kind of cool in that 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 Mark Driscoll kind of way, to where yes, we can start mentioning some of these things like Calvinism and some of these taboo topics um, like predestination and, and, and so on and so forth, but it seems to be just that. It's a little, it, it, it's, it's the latest fad without a, a doctrinal grounding faith that is rooted in Scripture. It's, it seems to be more of a, of a trendy style. Yeah, I think, there's a, I think there's a significant element in the movement that, that, that is doctrinally grounded. That's why it's it more or less is coalesced around you know, the idea of being reformed and and all. But I agree with you. In fact, when when Christianity Today ran that first article titled "Young Restless and Reformed" several years ago, I, I just sort of groaned within myself because I thought, mm -hmm. okay, now if this if it just becomes cool to jump on this bandwagon, it's going to be popular for a while. But then the backlash when it dies is going to be worse than right. You know. If the movement had never begun in the first place, and that—that that is my fear. That's pretty much what I mean when I say I, I think I think before we birth a movement, we ought to be very clear on what it is that's bringing us together. Right. It, it, it's too vague to say, you know, the gospel. We're united around the gospel. What do we mean by that? Because I can tell you, not everybody in the reform, young reform, young restless reform movement means the same thing right. when they say the gospel. And you just listen to what people are saying and watch what they write on their blogs. And I think there's a lack of thorough understanding of and commitment to the principles that made the Protestant Reformation great. Right. And I've seen uh, and this that's out not of a folk, very reformed attitude. And I've seen this out of folks coming out of the fundamentalist, legalist-type movement to where it's great that we can all come together because we, we have a common past that we're now leaving behind us. And now it's cool that I don't have to wear a tie to church, and I don't have to use a King James Bible anymore. But that seems to be the superficial glue that binds us together. Um, and when we start talking more doctrinal issues, it seems, okay, well now uh, some of these folks are falling by the wayside, and they're leaving to go into sometimes just nothing. Um, we're, we're kind of running out of time here, and I, I want to ask this question for the pastor who is, in his church, we're not necessarily concerned about 
movements or whatnot, but he's trying to shepherd his church away from the extremes of, of both evangelicalism and fundamentalism. There, maybe the church before was, was just steeped in either one. He is trying to bring it to a more doctrinal, Bible-based, grace-centered um, place. What advice do you have for that pastor of that church? Very simply, preach the word and keep the focus on the gospel, uh, which means uh, hold up Christ uh, and preach the word faithfully and preach it as you believe it. Uh, and don't be so worried about what movement you belong to or what people associate with you or or affiliate you with. And I, I honestly don't care if anybody affiliates me with the movement or not, you know. Right. I've never gone out of my way to join any movement or denomination. And, uh, and I don't think that hinders real ministry, nor do I think that uh, the things that make movements cohere necessarily advance real ministry. Ministry is done by individuals uh, who proclaim the truth faithfully, and we can do that even if there's no big movement that we're part of. To the individual Christian who is, who is struggling with this, um, what advice do you have? Um, for, a, for, a guy, for a younger guy like myself or, or others who's just coming to the conclusion, yes, I need to leave this fundamental background, this is not biblical, or even I don't want to be associated with these folks on the other side of evangelicalism, um, what advice do you have for that? For that? Yeah, and, and that's, that, that is a difficult thing because right. it really depends on where you live and and you know, what's available in your area, but I always advise people, go to the best church you can find in your area. Uh, I, I don't think it's very helpful for a typical Christian layman to, uh, to go to a church that, just because it's large, where he's not being fed, or a church that has serious problems in leadership and doctrine because he thinks he can reform this church as a layperson. Right. I, I think the first concern we ought to have is is uh, to go where our own souls are fed and it's in that environment. And well, um, I, I do think people are too worried about what movement they belong right. to, what denomination they're part of, or or whatever. It, it amazes me. Uh, and I've had friends, you know, who moved to a new area, and because they're lifelong Southern Baptists, they don't even consider a different church, even though there may not be a Southern Baptist church in their area. Where um, you, you know where the gospel is faithfully preached and and doctrine is sound, there are other churches, independent churches in the area where they could go, but they won't because they belong to this group or this movement. And I, I think that's a misguided kind of loyalty. Where well, so, our, our commitment ought to be to Christ and right. to His truth. And that's and, a great po point to end on here because Christ is the focus. It's not merely a denomination or a fellowship or uh, whatever group you want to be along, uh, aligned with, our, our first and foremost commitment is always to Christ and the truth uh, revealed to us in Scripture. So I want to thank you for coming on the program and, and sharing your thoughts with us. And uh, thank you for all the work you do with Grace to You and the Shepherd Conferences and, and, and the Pyromaniacs blog, all that you do. I want to say thank you. Great to talk to you, Kevin. All right. Thank you, Phil Johnson, for taking the time. And Phil has been a, a guest on this podcast um, just not too long ago, a couple of years ago, actually, uh, when we did our Attributes of God series. And so uh, Phil is doing a great work there with grace to you. 
So our recommended resource this week is going to be Dead Right, uh, a series, well, actually a, a Shepherd's Conference message, actually two parts, um, back from 2005. So Dead Right, the failure of fundamentalism. So I'm going to link to those in the show notes. And there are, um, and I'm actually playing it right now. I don't know why. So you just got a little preview if you were listening uh, to this. But uh, I hope you'll again tune back next week. Check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Check us out on Twitter at Basic Biblecast and Instagram as well. Also, please join the Facebook group. I'm going to try to get that going. Uh, Ray, our our usual co-host, has been sick and feeling a little under the weather, so he hasn't been keeping up the blog on there, but I'm going to try to do some myself. Of course, I always say that, and I always mean to, but it never really happens. But anyway... Check those out. We'll be back next week. Until next week, have a great rest of your week.